the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. It is a beautiful Friday, and it's Friday on the Pastor Scott Show. You know what that means. That means it's Open Line Friday. You can call about anything you'd like, anything that's on your mind, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Maybe you got a Bible question. Maybe you got something you want to talk to a pastor, a uh, question for a pastor. Maybe you have a, something on your mind about the politics of the day, the news of the day, or maybe you just want to join in the conversation that we're already having. Today's the day, 888-528-2557. I will change the subject for whatever it is that you want to call about, 888-528-2557. Question for you, this is on my mind today, just because of the conversation after President Biden announced that he's running for president. There's a lot of conversation, obviously, about his age. Nikki Haley, who's running for president, former South Carolina governor and UN ambassador, she just flat out predicted that President Biden will die within five years if reelected, leaving Kamala, Kamala Harris president. Uh, I'm not, I've been looking for the exact quote there, but I, here's what she said. She said, I think that we can be very clear that you can say with a matter of fact that if you vote for Joe Biden, you are really counting on a President Harris. Because the idea that he would make it until 86 years old is not something I think is very likely. Now, she's, she is, it's an interesting comment because I looked this up earlier in the week. It's about 25% chance that he will die. That's for real. That at his age, if he if he takes office in a second term, there is a 25% chance he will not survive till 86 when his term would end. 25%, one in four. And there's a lot of factors, obviously. There's healthcare factors. There's what kind of health are you in. There's, you know, there's a whole lot of things that make that that sort of prediction complicated. President Trump, if former President Trump, if he were to get reelected. He's he would be the same age as President Biden was when President Biden started his term. And the odds of him surviving until 82 are are also not real good, a little better. You know, if you're 78, there's a, you know, much better chance that you're going to live to be 82, but if you're 82, there's a much better chance. And I don't mean to be scaring you out there if you are a uh, octogenarian, I think you you probably have these things in the back of your mind. What are some good things about getting older? What are some good things about getting older? As in whatever age you are. I don't mean if you're 80. I mean, sure, I mean if you're 80. But if you are 20, what do you like about being 20 that is better than being 15? If you're 30, what's better than 20? You know, those kinds of things. I think that you, it's something I've just noticed as I get older, is that, yeah, there's some aches and pains and some things I don't like about getting older. But we should have some positive things about about getting older. What do you think? 
888-900-2557. Here's the Nikki uh, Haley uh, clip. I think there's a few issues here. You know, he's announced his, um, you know, that he's running again in 2024. And I think that we can all be very clear and, and say, with a matter of fact, that if you vote for Joe Biden, you really are counting on a President Harris, because the idea that he would make it until 86 years old is not... Um, is not something that I think is likely. It's why I've continued to say we need to have mental competency tests up until the state, you know, starting at 75, just to make sure that these people deciding our national security, deciding our economic policy, deciding what happens to our kids in schools, it matters. And I, you know, I think, so I think you look at that. I think there's a reason that he campaigned in his basement in the last election. He got a pass. This time, how much is he going to do? But right now, just being president, he won't answer the questions. He's you know, it is uh, – I think it's going to be an issue. There's always been – okay, there is – every time there's an older person running for president or other office, then you know, age becomes an issue. Politicians try to make an age issue of their opponent, whether they're they're very old or whether they are just much older than you. You, know, you make some comments about the next generation. We need to pass the torch and those kinds of things. I don't think it sticks very often. I mean, even in even in 2020, 2020 was a weird year. Okay? Everything about it is weird. And everyone knew Biden was old. He'd be the oldest president ever when he took office. He was older than President Reagan was, the former oldest president. When Biden took office, he was older than Ronald Reagan was when he left office. But I don't think the age thing stuck in 2020. And, you know, Nikki Haley's right. He was able to run from his basement and there were the restrictions. And I think this time he's going to run from his, from the Rose Garden, basically. You know, you're not really allowed to campaign from the White House. And those rules are sort of broken in 2020 because of the shutdowns, I think, by uh, President Trump. I don't know what's going to happen this time, but I imagine he'll run probably not really from the Rose Garden. That's the the term terms that people are using. But I bet he doesn't travel that much. And I don't know if he has to. Because of the the proliferation of media, social media, YouTube. In fact, I've got a theory that one day we're going to elect a president who is actually a YouTube star. We're going to elect somebody to national office who never leaves their house, who you never heard of until six months before the election or eight months before the election. And they go viral because of something online, something that they do on their TikTok or something they do somewhere. I think that day is coming. And... I think that if you're a smart politician today, you could probably save a lot of money on jet fuel and campaign costs of that nature, hotels for all of your people and all of that by doing a lot more on the Internet. I don't I don't know if that is if that's right or not. I think that's coming. I'm wondering if people care anyway. He's getting older. People say this about it. And uh, people on the left and right are saying it. This is Van Jones on CNN. I think Joe Biden should deal with, uh, as you as you saw, he, he's dealing with the issue of his age. I think there he should take a, a page for Ray, from Reagan in 84 against uh, Walter Mondale and raise it and make jokes about it and deal with it. You know, Reagan famously, uh, you know, would, would crack jokes about his age. You know, he said, you know, George Washington said this, but I wasn't there to hear it, guys, just in case. You know, he would he took it on. He made it his own issue. I think Biden is still defensive on the issue of his age. He needs to get past that. And I think that, um, uh, you know, these questions around Kamala Harris, I think you're going to see her grow now that she's going to have the opportunity. Everybody understands uh, uh, this is the oldest guy ever to run. So the VP matters a ton. She's going to be under more scrutiny. But I think she's also going to have more opportunity to, to prove herself. See, that that is uh, coming from somebody on the, the left side of things. And President Biden was asked about it by a reporter screaming at him. Read the polls, Jack. 
Oh, that's what <laughs> that's the wrong. he says. It, that was President Biden uh, saying something about the polls. Here's the polls, Jack. Here's the context. Mr. President, what's your message to Democrats who don't want you to run again? They want me to run. Two thirds say they Read don't. The polls. Read the polls, Jack. You guys are all the same. That poll showed that 92 percent of Democrats, if I ran, would vote for me. A majority of Democrats say they don't want you to run again in no, 2024. 92% said if I did, they'd vote for me. See, I think the president is right there. It's that, yes, it's true that the majority of Democrats say we don't, we would prefer that uh, President Biden does not run again. But that doesn't mean they're not going to vote for him if he runs again. 888-528-2557. The majority of Republicans say they don't want Donald Trump to run again. But if he's the nominee, I'll bet that most of those people vote for him. 888-528-2557. Open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. Uh, Rachel in Orange County. Rachel, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Thanks for having me. Hi, Rachel. Um, I love uh, listening to you on the way to work. It's great. Um, I do want to switch it up a bit since it's anything Friday, but just want to say the best thing that comes with age is, is wisdom. I mean, you, you can't mm. beat that. Too bad it comes with all the aches and pains, but yeah. I totally agree with that. Somebody once said uh, wisdom, or uh, what is it, uh, age is wasted on the youth or something, uh, something like that. I'll figure that out yeah, later. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It is true. I'm, I'm blanked speaking on it. Go youth, ahead. Yeah. Um, speaking of the youth, I, I would love to ask for prayers from the listeners, the community, from you. I saw a friend, just to make it short, I hadn't seen her for a while, she was super, super skinny, and uh, and and turns out that her 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 son, which was my my son's best friend in high school, is transitioning to he wants he's taking hormones and he's growing breasts and and it, it's just killing them. And um, everybody, you know, is like, hey, cool, you do you, hey, whatever makes you happy. Um, he's getting all the encouragement from the outside world, and um, he has very very few other than his parents that are, you know, trying to knock some sense into him. But when you're, you know, he's, he's young, he's 24, he can, he's basically he's an adult, but he's still very young, and um, he doesn't listen to his parents. So anybody on the outside is, you know, hey, man, that's awesome, more power to you. Who is praying for Levi? Not mm. much. And, and, and I would just love to ask the listeners, you to pray for this young man because he's not happy. He's, he's still not yeah. happy. He, he yeah. thought maybe this would make him happy, but you know, it, it didn't. Is he and, getting medical? Um, uh, is he, has he gone as far as to have uh, medical procedures done or is he just talking about not it? Not yet. And he has said he wouldn't do that, but he's taking hormones. Oh, so and, he is taking uh, hormones. So he is doing something. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Okay. He's got breath. And it's just, you know, it just, it's the parents are, are you know, uh, conservative Christians. I don't know what happened, you know, but um, my son won't talk to him because he, he said, you know, my friend's gone. And, you know, I get it. He's young. He didn't know what to say. So in, in my wisdom, I just, it just broke my heart because I was like, who's, who's praying for him? Who's on his side? I, I would bet not a whole lot. Mm. So, you um, know. I, Rachel, I think that you're bringing up a really good point about this issue. And, you know, we there's two different things going on in this issue. There's a, a national agenda that uh, is really about changing the family and changing who we are. It's spiritual. There's a whole lot there. Some of it has nothing to do really with transgenders as much as it has to do with other political 
uh, things. But the other side of it is what you're talking about is who is praying for these kids and people who are dealing with this? Who, you know, how is the church responding to the individuals who are affected? Who, there's an argument to be had here, right? There's a difference of opinion, but my opinion and your opinion is that this person is uh, getting bad advice, being abused by this argument, and led yeah. down a path that is going to very likely cause him significant re- regret and harm. Yeah. Uh, that's the world we live in. Yeah. And, you know, people are saying there was some uh, somebody on social media today really loud about how this isn't happening to kids and kids aren't getting these surgeries. And, and But the thing, funny thing is, is that person was opposed to the laws that are being passed in different states that would be against these surgeries. And I thought, if kids aren't getting the surgeries, then it really doesn't matter if you pass a law against it or not. Like, why are you, if it's not happening, then you shouldn't care if they pass a law because it wouldn't mean anything, number one. Number two, all over social media, kids are even taking pictures of themselves after they've had these surgeries and stuff. It's there. Uh, so let's pr- I think the hormones, though, also. The hormones is huge. And we, as we we talked about on this show before, is that in order for that to even be done in what some people would say is correctly, you have to start at seven or eight years old. Uh, and that is where this conversation is going with those things. So, yeah, let's pray. Uh, why don't we uh, – I don't want to mention his name. Maybe he's listening, okay? Uh, you never know. Um, but I'll pray. Uh, God, thank you for Rachel you. and her phone call. We pray for her friend who is dealing with this. And God, I pray that he would be surrounded by truth tellers and who do so in a loving way and in a way that is caring and friendly um, and accurate and persuasive. Whatever is going on in this young man's life, we pray that he gets help that would lead him to the truth. And that you would turn him around. We pray for his parents that they would be wise, that they would know how to love their son and care for him in a truthful way. We pray for Rachel and her friends and anybody who is connected there in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank, thank you so much, for Scott. You're welcome, Rachel. 888-528-2557, Pastor Scott Show. It's Open Line Friday. You can talk about whatever it is you'd like, 888 528 2557 and uh you know on that issue there the guy who was featured in the Bud Light controversy that happened a couple of weeks ago uh his name's Dylan he put out a statement today I don't have the audio of it I didn't do it on purpose because he this person has there's another side to it with this person because he's interviewed the president. He has been in lots of different advertising campaigns. There's a whole marketing side with this person that's different than, you know, it's why is it always the same guy? You know, is a question I've been asking is how do you have that kind of pull in this business in, in such a way where you get to be, you get to interview the president. I mean, how many journalists never in their life get to interview the president of the United States. And yet this kid doesn't. And a big part of it is politically of the agenda that is there and the agenda that's there with these corporations who think this is going to help them. He disappeared, I guess, for a while. And I don't follow him and all that stuff. But his statement today was kind of sad. And he, he, you could tell that he's struggling, I would say. I'm just, and I'm speaking pastorally here. I'm speaking in a way that says, you know, before we pile on to this person 
who is made in God's image, who I believe has significant mental health issues. And I know that, that you know, he would say, no, I don't. Well, I'd say, yes, you do. Uh, and I would say that was something that you saw. We need to be able to speak the truth, but be compassionate for people who are going through this. And a lot of people, younger people especially, and this is my view, is that they are responsible for their actions, but they're also victims of a society. Somebody mentioned this, that when I was younger, and for I know for a lot of you, remember the Goths? Wilbert, when you were uh, going to high school, were there Goths or was that over? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Uh, they were known as emo kids. Emo kids, that's right. It moved to uh, emo. Yes. Emotional, right, is that's what that was, right? Something yeah. like that. That was sort of beyond my – we had Goths. And the Goths would dress in all black – and they would darken their eyes and have heavy, dark makeup around their eyes and kind of pale out their skin with makeup, too. And they, uh, Some of them went and would talk to them, talk about being vampires was kind of the thing. And they would wear dog collars and sometimes spike their hair and that kind of thing. You know, but those those kids grew out of it. You know, I'm thinking of some of those kids who I know today. And you know what? They're... They're lawyers and they're bankers and they're probably Republicans. I mean, it's just the interesting thing that happens as you grow older. And as uh, Rachel just said a moment ago, you get wisdom when you get older. You grow out of stuff. Imagine if back in that day, and if you are, you know, if you grew up and you went to high school in the 80s and 90s, you or even early 2000s, the goth or the emo stuff. Imagine if the culture was saying, if the school was saying, if the government was saying, you are goth, you are emo, and you need to get yourself tattooed in this way. You need to change your skin color. You need to do something chemically to lighten your skin and look like the vampire and tattoo the things around your eyes. Make this permanent because this is your identity. This is who... See, and the kids would say, this is my identity, and you get other kids, and there would be these groups of kids. We had groups of kids who sat at the back in the pep rallies at school and kind of gathered together, and they were very noticeable because they were just all black and uh, kind of dark and, you know, it uh, and some of them were very troubled. Um, maybe all of them had you know, different things going on beyond that. There's a pathology, right? When you peel back, well, why is somebody acting in a certain way? Sometimes they're just different, but sometimes often there's something that, you know, they've been experiencing and this is how they're processing it, particularly young people, right? You go through it. Imagine if we had said to them, no, no, this is your identity, this is who you are, and we're going to, you should make it permanent. I mean, that would be crazy, right? But I think we're doing the same thing today for a bunch of kids who just like those goth kids or emo kids or whatever it is people are going through. Kids today, there's, they're furries, right? They're dressing up like animals, and some of them go way too far. It's a little crazy. Right, but they're not actually a cat. You come to school dressed as a cat, and you wear the ears, and you got the tail on and the outfit. But they're not going to do that forever. They're going to grow out of that. That that's a thing. It's called furries, by the way. It's a real thing. It's going on today. But we're not saying to them you're actually a cat. Although you know there are people saying that no, actually this is your identify. You identify. Maybe this is the conversation we're going to have in six years. Anyway. Part of getting older is you get wisdom. Part of getting older is you grow out of some of the emotional things that go on. You look at yourself when you're younger, and I do. You know, I look at my younger self, and I wish I had known what I know now back then. The phrase I would use 
trying to remember was George Bernard Shaw. He once wrote that youth is wasted on the young. Uh, and it's because, you know, you get older and you wish you had all the energy and all the, uh, you know, the ability to stay up all night and just have fun when you get older. And uh, there comes a time as you get older where you go from feeling bad that you don't have plans on Friday night to feeling glad that you don't have plans on Friday night. That happens. 888-528-2557. What are some positive things about growing older, about getting older? Uh, Sue, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Oh, good afternoon. It's my first time listening to you. Uh, oh, well, welcome, Sue. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. We are on, we need like a, uh, Wilbert, we need a, you know, some kind of a victory thing for people who are brand new to the show. <laughs> some, something Yay! to play. Well, welcome, welcome, Sue. <laughs> Thank you. So I listened to the lady that was um, before the man that you just talked to, I think, saying, and also him, that um, wisdom comes as you're older. But it reminded me, and I looked it up, I'm sitting in my car looking it up on my phone, in Job 32, verse 9, uh, the different translations, it says, it's not only the old who are wise, not only the age who understands what is right. But the other one says, um, let me, I'm looking at all the different translations to see. Uh, if the New King James Version says, great men are not always wise, hmm. nor do the age always understand justice. So for me, I think maybe... If you're a Christian and you have the wisdom of God, as we go grow older, I believe we do have that wisdom. But there's people that get old that don't have the wisdom of God, and, um, you know, they yep. just don't, yep. right? That's absolutely true. And uh, you know who uh, John Maxwell is? He writes the leadership books. Yes. Um, one of the yes. things he likes to say is that experience is not the best teacher, he said evaluated experience is the best teacher. And the reason he says that is because he meets people all the time who've experienced the same thing over and over again for 40 years and never learn anything. Right. Right. And that's how as a young person you can, and you're 100% right, you can have wisdom. In fact, in the book of Job, interestingly enough, in you know that story, he's got his, there's three friends who are giving him the business about uh, what's going on with him. But there's a fourth friend who usually doesn't get mentioned, and he's the young guy who waits to the end, and he says, I'm respecting all of you because you're older. Um, but he's the smarter of the four, interestingly oh, enough, okay. in that book, Elihu. So he's just saying that he's respecting them because they're older, right? Right. But uh, he tells not them they're all wrong. They really have wisdom. <laughs> he I'm actually sorry. gives them the better... Uh, he's not 100% right either. That's kind of the story of Job. But he's bet mm -hmm. he gives better advice to Job than his three older friends because he's wise. Right. Yeah. Hey, uh, Sue, right. I got to go to a break, but I think your point is great, right. and you're right about that. Thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. We're on weekdays three to five. Thank you. All right, Sue. Thanks for Bye -bye. calling. All right, I got to take a break. It is open line Friday. We'll talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. The question that I have put out for right now is what are some benefits of growing older? Uh, the president is getting a lot of grief for being old, and, uh, you know, that's a thing. But what are some benefits of getting older? 
888-528-2557. And whatever age, you don't have to be 80. You can be 15 and you're not 10 anymore. What's some benefits of being 15 and not 10? 888-528-2557. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I see your call up there. I'll get to you when we come back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. So, I think it's very important, as you have heard from so many incredible leaders, for us at every moment in time, and certainly this one, to see the moment in time in which we exist and are present and to be able to contextualize it, to understand where we exist in the history and in the moment as it relates not only to the past but the future. That was Vice President Kamala Harris saying something and a lot of conversation about her, not because of those comments, but because of Biden's age, President Biden's age, and that if he runs for office again, which he is running, although I'm going to stick to it, he's not. I'm just, I'll, maybe I'll get to that later, but uh, I, I don't think so. I think there's plenty of time for him to drop out. And uh, But if he does run and he wins, he'll be 82, one in four chance that he will not even survive till 86. And that's, that's, uh, that's death. That doesn't count just things that happen when you get older and make it hard to function, right? It doesn't count senility or strokes or, you know, Alzheimer's, stuff, stuff that happens. Uh, it's one in just 25% chance that he won't even make it. So I think this time around when we vote, and the same will be somewhat true if uh, Donald Trump is the nominee on the Republican side, even though he's four years younger, he's still up there, that the vice presidents are going to matter. They usually don't matter. We say they matter. We make fun of them. And uh, if you remember Dan Quayle, you know, he was just roasted. But uh, at the end of the day, it didn't matter because you don't vote for vice president. Usually you vote for president. This time, I think we're going to have to pay attention, and people in both parties are agreeing with that. It led me to ask this question, though, today, is what are some advantages of growing older? You know, what do you get out of growing older that is better? It's also Open Line Friday. We'll talk about anything you'd like. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Rudy in Orange County, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Thank you, Pastor Scott. Um Hi, Rudy. My two cents is uh, I kind of agree with this line of reasoning that you have where uh, it's too early for to make kids decide their gender identities and uh, stuff like that. But I grew up Christian, and I was uh, kind of went to the whole uh, VBS. I went to Christian camp. I went to all those things. And uh, I have a little boy of my own at this point, and um, I have one on the way, too. And I don't think I will raise uh, my kid religious because I think religion is something like one of those things where they're not at the age where um, they can really make a, a intelligent decision about something like that. And I just wanted to say, you know, I was raised Christian, and uh, my my sisters and my mom— they were also they are still very Christian, and um, they kind of guilt trip me because they say, "Oh, you used to be Christian, you used to follow God," and I and I tell them that that was a decision that you guys forced on me, hmm. and that was something that I felt pressured to do. That wasn't really something 
that I'd made in uh, in good faith and good intelligence because it's not really something I could have done in that at that age. And still, they kind of guilt trip me. And I, I think that's the weirdest tactic that Christians do to to the the. To make people feel as though, oh, because you made this decision as a child, you decided to make a lifetime commitment to Jesus, uh-huh. that therefore you have to honor that no matter what in yeah. your adulthood, too. Well, uh, What do you think about that? You know, I think there's a lot of people listening who are in the same boat as you, some of, some of whom grew up in the church, and uh, they, I think you can make that decision as a child, but I think it has to be actually your decision. You can't just adopt your parents' decision, right? It's not something they pass down to you. And I think a parent is going to want to do that, but at some point you've got to make your own call. Right. And and Jesus doesn't count, you know, when, when I know that you're not following Christ right now, but, you know, the scriptures, I think, hold us accountable individually. Right. So you can't say I'm a Christian just because my parents are. And it is something that I think that I think Christians should and Christian parents and I'm a Christian parent and I think about this all the time. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure on on pastors, kids or kids of people who are in ministry, sometimes volunteers or maybe your dad's the chairman of the church board, right? There's there's extra pressure even on kids of people who are in leadership. Um, and kids often walk away because the faith was never their own. I, I've said before uh, to people that maybe you have a drug problem, meaning that mom drug you to church, you know, and it's not really your faith. Um, but at the same time, you you have to decide at some point what it is you're going to believe about the world. Like you have you have kids and one coming, and congratulations, by the way, about that. Uh, how are you going to teach your kids morals? Like what's what's right and wrong and why they should think that's right and wrong? I think you can teach them no morals without teaching them religion, per se. But where does that come um, from? Why should, they, why should they— Why should they— Or read the Bible to know, you know, morals. Why and should they accept that, though, when, so, they, when they get or older? Or, like, uh, that counts for any religion. Like, if I was born in Morocco, you know, mm-hmm. and I practiced Islam because that was kind of like the culture around me, and somebody asked me, how can you teach morals without Islam? It's the same. It's the same answer. You can. There's the morals you can separate from the religion. Yeah, I would agree that you can definitely separate it from uh, religious practice. And you're correct that the same thing happens in other faiths, right? And, and any beliefs. I mean, people. You, your parents might have been Republicans, and you might be a Democrat, right? You're not going to necessarily hold all of their beliefs on anything. When you get older, you're going to have your own. But where do you land? You know, when you're as a parent, how? And your child gets old enough to start questioning you, which they do, right? How do you, how do you, where do you land on what's actually true morally? What if they differ than you? What, what's the, where's the anchor for what is actually true? I would, I I guess for me, ultimately, I would say pain is real. Suffering is real. So if it causes you to suffer, Uh, then uh, you must have done the wrong thing. No, not necessarily. I'm saying, <clears throat> why is there evil in the world, you know? Yeah. Why, you know, stuff like that. But uh, I would say to to live one's life with to to cause a, the little, the least amount of pain to those around you 
would be the moral way to, of living. Okay. But, yeah. Yeah, but uh, and I appreciate that, uh, Rudy. And I think you're speaking for a lot of people, actually, who um, – and maybe some people who are still in the church and don't know why. That's one of the things that we – I think we're experiencing in, in church culture today, and the COVID sped this along. 20 or 30 percent of people never came back to church after the COVID shutdowns. And most people believe it's because they sat around and thought, do I really believe this? And they decided no. Um which is it's it's more authentic, right? If that's truly how you think. But there's also lots of people who uh, reject what their parents did and brought them to church and everything. But then later they they come to that faith themselves. Lots of people do that. I would encourage you, Rudy, with with your kids to really think about where's the foundation for truth that you're going to teach them about morals and how to live. You know, why should I? You know, if there's if you know the truth is not going to happen because you go to Sunday school and you go to church and you do activities. Right. The the truth is whether or not Jesus, if whether or not there is a God, and whether or not there is a way to please that God, and find salvation, whatever that is, and then if there is, then who is that God? How does that work? Can, can I can I ask you? Do yeah. you think it's Do you think it's appropriate to ask a kid to make that decision? Not to not to not if the kid does that decision on their own, but to ask the the kid and then put put them in an environment where there's an altar call and their peers are, are walking up and giving their lives. Do you think it's appropriate to put them in a position uh, in a situation like that? I think it's appropriate to put them there, but it's not appropriate to pressure them into a decision they have not actually made. Does that make sense? Now, my kids, for example, they, they came to Christ on their own. I didn't pressure them. They got baptized recently and they're 13 and 10 uh, much older than some of their siblings, and I did not pressure them to get baptized or to say they're Christians. In fact, when they were very young, you know, they said it, and Dad's a pastor, and Johnny used to say, oh, I want to be a pastor, and I would say, oh, I'm going to pray that uh, you really think about that. <laughs> um, you know, I think that that parents need to recognize that parents have a responsibility to teach their kid what is true. As a Christian, if you believe that the Word of God is true, that Jesus is the Savior, if that's your belief, then you have an obligation to share that belief with your kids and to teach them. However, you have to understand that you can't force your kids to believe it. They have to come to that conclusion on their own, either because of your teaching or the teaching they got somewhere else, and you've got to be open to their questioning uh, and allow those questions. That's where I, you know, for me, Rudy, I think that what bothers me sometimes in the church is when parents are uncomfortable with their kids asking hard questions about the faith. And, I agree with that. And you need to let your kids ask those hard questions. They need to ask those hard questions while they're young, because I think it's true with just about anything. If you're not allowed to ask questions, then that raises questions about you know the veracity of whatever the subject is, right? Uh, I, I think that's true with other things. So I think, uh, to answer your question, I think forcing a kid, you, as a parent, you have a right to take your kid to to church, you know, to the things that you're going to do, but you can't force them to believe something because that's not belief. And I think that it's better to lead them to a place where they will make a good decision based on what is true and accurate. And you got to be prepared. you got to be prepared for them to ask hard questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, Rudy, thank you for your call. I got to take a break, but I appreciate your call. I think it's a good one. Congratulations on your new baby. 
Uh, when's it, when's he do? Or he, he or she? When's October? October. All right. Congratulations. This is the Pastor Scott Show. What do you think about that? You got any thoughts about that or anything else? It is it is Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Pastor Scott Show will be back as the Friday edition continues. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. All right, good to see you back again, 888-528-2557. Eric in San Diego, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, how's it going? Good, Eric, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, that, that phone call you just had with, uh, with Ruby, I think we all could, could kind of sympathize. I'm a dad, I got a couple kids, and uh, he, he was saying uh, he wants to to help his kids and teach them to, to not have... Uh, like not inflict pain on anyone, but only thing is, I mean, what we're what we're all working so hard to, to tell people about is is about bypa- getting away from the real pain. That's hell. I mean, there, there's consequences for not accepting Jesus, and it is pain. So we we really gotta uh, just really focus on that. And uh, you know, I'm it, I, I was a pastor's son, and and I. Uh, I really went off the rails, boy. I, uh, I, I did everything that they said not to. So you went to church, and you're a pastor's kid. So you were definitely yeah. forced to go to church. You couldn't even choose what church, and you you no. left. <laughs> why Why did you leave? Well, you know why? What was that like? And then what brought you back? Uh, well, it, it actually, um, <laughs> I got really blessed, kind of like Paul did. Like he he. Uh, Jesus actually hit him up. I, I was actually in partying all the time, just having fun with friends, and they were they were, they were doing bad stuff, um, getting kicked out of the school or that, and um, in and out of courts, and finally wound up in jail. Uh, but before I went to jail, I was um, in the shower, and I, I, uh, I, you know, I knew that things were empty. I knew I had heard about the God of the Bible, and I. You know, I, I didn't buy evolution. Obviously, I knew there was a God there. It just, you know, just common sense will lead you to that if you're really seeking. Uh, and I, I remember I asked, okay, God, if you're, you know, and I, I was asking the God of the Bible. You know, mm. <laughs> the God my dad had told me about and everything. Um, you know, help me out. What, what, what can I do? I can't even get away from my friends. They were really, re- I loved them. You know, and then all of a sudden, I kid you not, that moment. Um, police came in, and uh, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. It was huh. for a, a joy ri- joy riding, nothing really crazy, but uh, I, I ended up uh, getting to clean up. And if it didn't happen at that exact moment, I don't know. Would I have still? Um, I don't know. And since then, um, it's been really good. He's been he's been always there for me. Like it, it's. It's not my parents who drive. They drag me everywhere because, I mean, my dad had to. Right. Right. Um, I I think that's an important thing here is that you had to make it your own. You had to make your own decision to actually follow Jesus at some point. Oh, yeah. Just like you said, we all do. Right. It's vital. Yeah. We Um, we don't get credit for my kids. Yeah. (laughs) I'm forcing it on my kids. Like, uh, I catch myself. Yeah. We're all. I'm terrified of hell, you know, for them and, and just the things that, that 
could have swallowed me up. They swallowed my friends up. They're all in rehabs or, you know, in and out of jail still. And mm. that was 20 years ago. And, yep. and I, I'm terrified of that stuff. And, and, uh, and the real thing is hell. I mean, if you don't accept Jesus, if you don't take, uh, there's heaven and there is an actual hell. And that is pain. That's where pain is. And I don't want his, I don't want anyone going there. I don't want his kids going there. I don't want my kids going there. So it is, it's tough. You know, and I think, so I think Eric, one of the uh, reasons that it's important to let people ask questions, even hard questions, even your own kids, as heartbreaking as it might be, if they're like, nah, I don't buy it one day. I mean, they, they could be like you. Um, but, yeah. but you get two things there. Number one, they could be like you and also come back later, and that's going to break your heart, but then it's going to give you great joy. And, you know, you want them to be truly believers. And that's what we want for everybody that God puts in our life, that we we should be concerned about where they're going for eternity. And we also have the great message of grace, that it's free, that a a distinction of Christianity from every other religion or philosophical thought is that you can't earn salvation. It's given to you. You can't earn it. You can't. Exactly. That that is what's different. Um, Yeah. I think about what he was talking about, too, how, oh, well, what if I was born here? What if I was born, uh, you know, something else? And it's like Christianity is different. I mean, it's it's what he did for us. And it's why we want people to ask questions, right? You know, and uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, Muslim families, people who have come over here in particular from uh, Iran. And a lot of the young people in Iran, and you're seeing this in the news if you're paying attention to what's happening over there, they're Muslim by sort of family, but they don't really know much about their faith. They go through their religious routines over there. But when they leave, they ask questions. And when you really ask questions, um, and you're not afraid to do that, the scriptures and the history of Christ and the reality of what happened with the apostles and what happened with um, in history with the church is very persuasive. And then combine that with your... Yeah you know, with what you read in the Bible about what's real about the universe and about how things work, it's, you know, even though there are hard questions and even though you have to go through, you know, the questioning of God sometimes and why would God let this happen and these things, those things are healthy and they lead you to a stronger faith. So uh, do that for your kids as best you can. That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, And thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Eric, for your call. I appreciate that. Great. Bye. 888-528-2557, Anna in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello? Hi, Anna. Go ahead. Okay, I didn't know I was on. Yeah, um, yeah. I want to say that I, I was uh, I was drugged. When I was, you were drugged to church? You had, a, was, you had a drug problem? Yeah. Mom and Dad drug you to church? <laughs> yeah, they drugged me to church. And uh, uh, my mother wasn't a Christian. Well, she came from a Christian family, but she wasn't a Christian First, that she had some kind of a, I don't know, a, something happened to her, and she wanted to commit suicide, and then mm. uh, some, like something good got in the way, and so she knew it was God. So anyway, and of course, of course, I I kind of rebelled, you know. Uh-huh. But then I had I had a, an epiphany too, also with God. So I always knew He was real, because yeah. You, you just know, and uh, so I I kind of feel sorry for people that don't uh, have anything. You kind of, it's kind of like a rudder, you know. Uh, now I I realize that there is a God, and and uh, 
you know, I have a, a relationship with him, and uh, he does good things for me, and, you know, um, I know he's real. <laughs> yeah, you know, as you said there, and thank you for calling, Anna, I appreciate that. You said Rudder, and uh, A.W. Tozer once said that the most important thought that a person thinks is the thought that they think about God because it will determine how they live their life and how they make decisions and what direction they go. And that's very true, right? It, uh, yeah. You know, when you have a thought about God, whatever that is, then it's going to determine, yeah. you know, how serious are you about moral questions and how, you know, what's the right answer and what do you do when uh, you want to do something that might be immoral, but uh, you're, you're thinking maybe I should or maybe yeah. I shouldn't. Well, what you think about God is going to determine your choice. Ultimately. Yeah, the thing is, I, I'm I'm kind of upset because when I when I rebelled, I did some stupid things. You know what uh-huh. I mean? You know, some yeah. stupid That's things. why uh, that's and, why we get the uh, the the uh, prodigal son story. Now, yeah, I'm sorry for it. You know, because it did affect my life and it kind of messed my life up a little bit. You know, but I I, I didn't know any better at the time. You know, you just don't think because you're young. You know, but yeah, I tell people, hey, you know. Don't go. Don't have to run the hard way, you know. Just get in line, and you know God will show you yeah. He's real. Well, the, thank you very much for your call, Anna. You know, the good thing about God's grace is that, you know, some people really do have to learn the hard way. Like, not really. They always have an opportunity for a choice, but there's just some people who are not going to uh, understand the realities of this world without going down the wrong path. One of the the books uh, of the Bible I think is one of the greatest is Ecclesiastes. If you're going to sit down and read it, you've got to read the whole thing because you'll get depressed in the beginning. But by the end of it, you see a guy, probably Solomon, and it's probably Solomon writing in his old age, who had all the wisdom in the world, but still decided to try to find meaning in life through everything else, through, through wealth, through power, through uh, politics, through having fun, partying, women, all the stuff. And he comes to the conclusion that all of it ultimately is worthless. But but at the end, he makes the greatest conclusion possible. Not just the, the final conclusion is that, you know, the meaning and purpose of life is to follow God and keep his commandments, but that also you can enjoy your life that God has given. And there's a lot of enjoyment in that book once you have the freedom of knowing that you are. You have a God who has saved you. Got to take a break. It's Open Line Friday. I'll take your calls. I'll see your call, Jackie. We'll get to you when we come back at the top of the hour. Pastor Scott Show will be back as the Friday edition continues. 888-528-2557. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com salemnow.com 